You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. However we see crisis managed, however we see that model, is how we start to model management later on in life. And so if you had a parent who, you know, hid and did not handle it well, eventually we kind of pick up on, on their management skills and we adopt them for ourselves. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on diversity, inclusion, and understanding for Black cultures through conversations that help us connect to ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I'm your host, Monique Russell. Today in my guest chair, listen, guys, you are going to be blown away. I have a lady who is the CEO and founder of Perk. Yeah, y'all need to perk up Perk Consulting and the founder of the Minority Christian Women's Entrepreneur Network. She is a business development specialist and a planner for beyond. That means like your succession plan. We're talking about legacy. We're talking about impact. You know, she started entrepreneurship at the early age of 12. She's no stranger to bouncing back and coming back from crisis, something that I think all of us can use insight on. And that's what we're going to hear today. We'll hear nuggets because not just bouncing back and coming and escaping from a civil war, but to watching her father's family business fail, to not having enough money for food as an entrepreneur, to living as a global consultant being an author, an award-winning development strategist. We're truly in for a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrina Sawyer, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Monique. It is my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, Andrina, let's dive right in. I always like to ask my guests, if you could choose to be anywhere in the world right now, where would you choose to be and why? Easy, Jamaica. What? <laughs> <Jamaica>. <laughs> or let, let me not 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 just say Jamaica. Anywhere in the Caribbean right now. Mm. I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, and it is cold. Yeah, I need some sunshine and some warmth. I can definitely relate to that. I grew up in the beautiful islands of the Bahamas, and I definitely need the sunshine in my life right now. So let's just jump right in. I know that you had survived the civil war in Liberia. I, I really listened and enjoyed hearing some of your stories on the other shows. And I realized that you were placed in crises for a long period of time. In fact, I might even say like, you know, crisis is something that you are very experienced in and knowing how to bounce back from it. What would you say was some of the mindsets or guiding keys that help you to thrive? coming from those situations? Yeah, you know, Monique, you're right. I used to think it was unfortunate that I was used to crisis, but now I realize that a lot of what shapes us, you know, shapes us in crisis. 
guiding principles, I think resilience, making resilience kind of a point in your living, making sure that you're intentional about developing skills that allow you to persevere. I think it's so important. I think none of us are immune to crisis. Some of us go through things and it seems extreme to others. And then we hear other people's stories and their crisis seems extreme to us. Because none of us are immune though, I think it's important to be resilient. I think it's important to have a perspective that positions you to look at the bright side of things. I think that's another skill that's really important to kind of develop and master. I can hand you a glass of water and you can look at it as half empty and I can look at it as half full if I'm really thirsty. So developing a perspective that really forces you to look at the bright side of things fosters optimism and fosters hope in us so that when the seasons of crisis are over, because crisis is never permanent, right? It's always seasonal. When it's over, we're able to pivot and adjust and not stay in that negative space um, because all we know is crisis and all we think about is crisis. So resiliency, I think is definitely key. And then perspective is another thing. Oh my God, this is incredible. And so when you said you now realize that the crises were actually something that you can use and, and leverage. Like, what did you think before about being in crisis? You know, I'm a survivor of the Civil War. As a kid, you don't know. You are very reactive in how you manage crisis. So you look at how other people are responding, your parents, your siblings, and you respond likewise, right? So if they're doing well with it, you figure out a way to forge through as well. As an adult, I've learned to manage crisis based on the attitude that it's not permanent. And so if I encounter something, it's up to me to kind of stay firm and stand strong because it's not going to last forever. One of the things that really kind of shaped my attitude about this is I went through something in my early 20s and it broke my heart, Monique. Like it really kind of traumatized me. But then after that season was over, my mind stayed in crisis. And so coming out of that, I realized maybe about three, four years went by. I realized that I'm physically not in crisis anymore. I'm not even emotionally in crisis anymore, but mentally I had wasted, you know, subsequently three more years of my life. I'd allowed this crisis to rob me of additional years, even though it had long been over. And that's kind of what really helped me get it to say that, you know, no longer am I going to just have that posture of victimization where even if something is not happening to me, I'm just postured to just be reactive. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine and I was in a good season and I was telling her I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. And she sat me down, I'll never forget we were in a Starbucks and she said to me, Andrina, who told you that the shoe always has to drop? Where did you adopt that mentality? And that was kind of the beginning of me doing, you know, uh, exploring this and really kind of taking ownership of how I respond to, to events in my life. Um, she was very blunt. And she just said, who told you that the shoe always has to drop? And I took it. You know what? I think we all need a friend who is willing to love us so much to just challenge us when we have those moments of doubt and we think that, okay, Where's, where's the gotcha? Where's the catch? You know, where is it coming? Andrina, what you are saying is so powerful. I feel like I almost got goosebumps because I heard you when you said that your body was out of crisis, but your mind was still in crisis. 
and your mind was still in crisis for an additional three to four years. And I think about what's happening right now in the world. And I think about the state that we're in, uh, the pandemic, just loss, a lot of grief, a lot of crisis. And then I also picked up where you said when you were younger, you didn't know. So you responded to the crisis based on what you observed from your parents or how you were taught. But now as an adult, you had a new way. You experienced another crisis. You were still in that same pattern, but you had a new way of looking at your situation or your circumstance. Thankfully, your friend was also able to help you challenge some of the thinking. But I think this is something I want all of our listeners to really hone in on because what do you do when your body's out of crisis, but your mind's still there? And it goes back to what you said, resilience and perspective, having the resilience and perspective. You also said something I heard you share where you said your low moments taught you about the importance of being vulnerable. What did you mean by that? I inflicted a lot of pain in my life, especially in entrepreneurship, because I was afraid of what other people thought about me. You know, the other thing about crisis, we were just talking about it, is however we see crisis managed, however we see that model, is how we start to model management later on in life. And so if you had a parent who, you know, hid and did not handle it well, eventually we kind of pick up on, on their management skills and we adopt them for ourselves. For me, vulnerability was something that we did not do in my household. It was a sign of weakness. It was an opening for exploitation from other people. And so as an adult, I didn't even cry, Monique. I remember when I discovered that my name literally means strong, and Drina means strong in Greek. And so all of my life, I've had to be that. I've had to live up to strong. But my low moments forced me to be in position where that was not an option because I needed help. Um, You know, you mentioned it earlier. I remember starting an entrepreneurship and having no money to my name, not even money to buy food. And so you're forced, right? You have two options at that point. You either call someone and you ask for help. And naturally, the questions are going to be, well, what do you need money for? What happened? Why don't you have any money? Mm -hmm. And you're forced to be vulnerable if you want their help. Or you can stay starving, right? And and, and keep that pride up and not be vulnerable. Um, But my low moments have taught me that if help is going to come, it's not just going to show up at my door. Very rarely does it just show up at your door. You have to do something to position yourself to ask for help and then to receive the help. And so now in my interactions with other people, I've learned to pry a little bit, you know, without being too intrusive, but to to recognize that vulnerability doesn't come naturally to everybody. But if I want to be helpful, if I want other people to be comfortable in their vulnerability, then I have to take that lesson from that season of my life and make sure that I model vulnerability for them as well. Mm, I want to run around and scream, but I'm just trying to contain myself because you are dropping bombs up in this place. And you're from the beautiful country of Sierra Leone. And the the thing about this is, this is such a common challenge for many of us African people, diaspora, continental Africans, Caribbean people, um, because it's in the culture, it's in the history, it's in the subconscious, 
And when you talked about vulnerability being a sign of weakness and, you know, okay, something happened bad. Don't put your business out in the street. Don't tell nobody. They're going to talk about you, all of this stuff. So you were entrenched in this way of thinking and this culture is not good or bad. It just is. That's just what it was. But that blocked you from actually getting the support and the help you need. And I'm thinking about business and I'm thinking about um, this podcast, Bridge to You, because it's about diversity and inclusion among Black cultures. And we see the same challenges of vulnerability and not sharing and not being open in entrepreneurship and in life in general. I want you to put your consultant hat on for a moment for me, please. And I want you to, knowing what you know now, knowing what you've already been through, having the expertise and the insights, especially for those that are still on the continent wanting to elevate themselves, and those of us all around the world in the diaspora who may be struggling with vulnerability, how do we begin to unlock and unravel this process? Unlearn. Unlearn all the things that we were taught um, vulnerability is and it's not. Um, it's all about perspective. It's funny because on Sunday, my pastor preached a sermon where he said, there are some things that are kind of unique to us in the way that we handle situations. And in one setting, they can be a blessing and in another, they can be a curse, right? And I think vulnerability is, is one of those things like our ability to be vulnerable, where if you're forced to be strong all the time, that's a definite strength, right? You keep it up and you forge ahead, right? You don't let anyone exploit any type of weakness, right? But what happens when you don't know how to take that hat off, right? When you need to be vulnerable in order to cultivate meaningful relationships, in order for you to go deeper in life and in business, the first thing I would say uh, to us about vulnerability is unlearn that vulnerability is always a sign of weakness. It's not. A lot of times it is a strength. And then the second thing I would say is practice vulnerability little by little. I'm talking very practically speaking. I remember another friend of mine um, called me out. She's a high school friend of mine, very, very good friend. I have these friends that call me out, Monique. You are so it. blessed. <laughs> but she called me out because I can't remember all the details, but we were in a group setting and people were sharing. And she says, well, Andrina, you never really share. And she said it lightheartedly, but underneath, you know, there's always a little bit of truth. And I remember sitting in there and thinking, well, I'm not going to share with a bunch of strangers. But then I realized if I want deeper relationships with this group of women, I need to share. And so practicing little by little. So perhaps today, when you ask me, how am I doing? I can give you a truthful response and not the natural, I'm fine, right? So I can take that baby step. And then the next time, if you ask me about my family, perhaps I can tell you about some drama that my brother's going through if there's some trust there. But I'll take baby steps, but I'll practice it so that little by little, I become more comfortable with being truthful in settings that require me to be vulnerable. And then number three is like, take the limits off. Like take the limits off in relationships and in your engagement with people. Don't assume that everyone is out to get you. Mm -hmm. Just because that's been a history, right? Where people have done that does not mean that everybody's going to do that. Not everybody is bad, even if they resemble each other. I've met people and I've talked with people where it's like there's a distrust for, let's say, dark-skinned people. 
<laughs> and so every dark-skinned people moving forward, you don't trust in business. You're not Lord vulnerable. Have mercy. Lord yeah, of mercy. <laughs> so you kind of take take those limits off, you know, and, and treat people as individuals and, and allow yourself, give yourself the grace of evolution. Like, you know, perhaps that encounter with that dark-skinned person or that man or that woman was bad partially because of me right? But I've seen since grown. So I'm not going to hold you hostage to that experience. And I'm not going to hold myself hostage to what I didn't know back then either. So give yourself some grace and, and take the limits off. I like that. The grace of evolution. Well, I really hope that this dark skin bias stop because, you know, I a beautiful black chocolate dark. Okay. And you could trust me. <laughs> you can trust me in business. But I wonder, do you think that in order for people to get to that point, they have to hit a rock bottom because it sounds like you hit a rock bottom and opening that door to asking for help and vulnerability. You have the support of your friends. So we also need to know where you get, where do you get those friends from? And I'm hearing about this rock bottom experience. And do you think people need to go through a rock bottom experience to shape their or unlock their vulnerability door? That's a great question. And I think if you're hard-headed, yes. So like me, I'm hard-headed. <laughs> and, and so I need I need the rock bottom. I need repetitive lessons to really, really get it. But then I think, you know, there's smart people, and I forget who said this quote, but smart people learn from the mistakes of others. So that there are some of us who see that so-and-so's vulnerability kept them hostage, held them hostage and kept them in pain for way too long. And so I'm not going to do that. So to answer your question, I think it happens one of two ways. Either you hit rock bottom or you learn from somebody else's uh, mistakes. Mm. I'm of the belief that I want to learn from the people's mistakes. I really don't want to have to go through it all on my own, but I, I get it. I, I get it. Sometimes we have to scratch our knee and, you know, hit our head a little bit. So when we talk about business, because I love that you brought this up for business, we're in a space and a time where we are in a borderless world, like we are in the new global economy. A lot of folks are looking at the continent for innovation, for youth empowerment, and all things Africa, which yeah. is amazing. Um, and at the same time, that lack of trust in business, when we talk about um, building foundation and sustainable practices that allow us to have legacy or great succession planning. This is an area of expertise for you. This is an area of passion for you. Before we get into some tactics or tips, I want to know why is this uh, succession plan and legacy plan so important? I think we're given one life, Monique, and I think it's, it's, it's short. Right. So even if you live to be 80, 90 years old, that's really just kind of a dot in the spectrum of time. Right. Like in the, in the spectrum of eternity. So what happens after we're gone, the impact that we've made, that's going to last a lot longer. So if you did not make use of your 80 to 90 years, you've squandered right, an opportunity for your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren to tell stories about how you maximize 80 years. I think, you know, succession planning is, is one of those things that's boring, right? It's not fun. <laughs> it's morbid, right? So it can be kind of intimidating and discouraging, 
but it's necessary because it's our opportunity for people to tell good stories about us long after we're gone. I think in, in business, for most of us, we hustle too hard for us not to have a succession plan, right? Like, so you can spend, I've been in business, I'll be celebrating 11 years full-time in January. Congratulations. Thank you. And Monique, for half of those years, I cried and clawed and bled and <laughs> did everything else. But those years kind of are shaping a foundation. I want a story to be told that's reflective of things that happened after those years. I don't want my life to just be, she clawed her way in business for however many years, but I want it to lead to somewhere. I want it to lead to the fact that I built something sustainable for my children, hopefully, and for their children. So that succession planning says that our work, our hustle, our sacrifice was worth it. Now, of all the topics that you could hone on, you pick the most challenging one for the business owners, because I very rarely see secession plans um, take place. And even in my own family, I can look at, you know, on my mom's side, my grandfather. I mean, we see like a lot of businesses just did not continue because the plans were not in place. You've picked an area of definite need <laughs> and definite passion. What's the special connection for you? Legacy. I'm passionate about it. It's, it's something that I think God has, has gifted me to be concerned about. And when I talk, I'm not even, I don't even call myself a succession planner, Monique. I call myself a strategic planner. And it's difficult, nearly impossible for you to be a good strategic planner if you don't think about the long term. And so succession planning ends up being the long-term strategic plan, even if it's not formally called that. So in my work with people, I don't use that language. I don't use succession planning because most people think about wills <laughs> when we're talking about succession planning. And, and that's not at all what I'm trying to say. What my passion and my bias is we struggle as entrepreneurs, at least early on we do. There are inherent systemic things that keep us from doing well and succeeding anyway. Mm -hmm. So my charge to you is let's do away with some of that by taking ownership and building something that lasts. And it doesn't have to last for your children. It could last to the point of you exiting and selling it and then doing whatever you want to do, mm. you know, but just make sure that you take ownership so that you're not moving through entrepreneurship reactively, um, but you're very intentional about everything that you've put into this and what you want to get out of it. Yeah, totally agree there. Totally. Because you said your business, can it survive without you? Mm, if, it, if it can't, it, we got a problem. So <laughs> you are very vocal about your Christian faith, your Christian background. This is something that when I started to prepare for our interview, um, I saw this shine through and through all throughout your brand. And I want to know, how does this part of your brand influence how you connect with other Black cultures, other Black businesses, et cetera. Thank you for saying that, by the way. That's really encouraging because that's my goal. Faith is important to me because I think it's the one thing that's carried me through like the ebb and flow of life. Like in the really high seasons, I credit God, right? In the really low seasons, when I wasn't vulnerable and I just prayed in secret and quiet, I believed that he was the only one that was there and heard me and, and, and saw me. Why is this important in conversation? Because I think we're all inherently spiritual. Whether you associate yourself with the Christian faith or not, I think that human beings have what's called a God-sized hole. 
you know, in the book of Romans, if you're a Christian, you probably are familiar with it, um, listening, talks about how all of creation is like moaning, right? Because there's something in us that wants answers. <laughs> and I think the pandemic has heightened that even more. So in conversations with people, especially African people, I think it's all one commonality. We can speak different languages. We can come from different countries. We can eat different foods. We might not even understand each other sometimes, but what's inherent in us is that kind of spiritual craving, that spiritual fulfillment that many of us have. I think even agnostics and, and atheist people who might commonly look to science for answers, I think all of us have this inherent and innate need to want answers. And so for me, that answer uh, faith-wise comes from Christianity. Um, but even if people are not a Christian, I want to talk to that deeper part of you, that, that spiritual part of you. I love that. You said many of us, we have that spiritual component and that's what connects us. Have you seen it had any negative impact or challenges, you know, your, your faith element in connecting with other Black businesses or businesses in general? Absolutely. Really? And I'm, I'm smiling. Oh yeah, because I'm thinking about specific instances. You know, I was, I was too Christian and people have told me that I'm too Christian. When, you know, the, the pandemic broke out and all these grants were available and we started applying through McQuinn, uh, Minority Christian Women Entrepreneurs Network, we were rejected so many times, reason being because that they did not fund religious organizations. So whether, wow. yeah, yeah, whether it's kind of like overtly like that, like what I call reverse discrimination, or whether it's kind of like an implicit, like, oh, it's a little bit too much for us right now. It's a little bit too evangelical, too churchy. Um, I feel it all the time, all the time. But what I tell myself and what I tell other people is when no one else was there for me, Monique, even these institutions, I mean, at the height of my experience, like with crisis, Monique, I was winning awards after awards. I was getting local recognition for starting a business so early and employing people and doing really well. And those natural things, right, were not good enough, right, for some people. So if I can't win when I'm at the height of my experience, right, if I can't win when I'm doing all these good things, I'm surely not going to compromise for you, <laughs> you in any other stage of life because what carried me through was my faith in God. And so you asking me, let me back up and say this. I know that it's not guaranteed, right? Like nothing in our businesses are guaranteed. Like tomorrow we can wake up and there could be something else that forces us to pivot and people will lose businesses. So I can't compromise what's gotten me here because if I lose it all again, there's no guarantee that you'll be there for mm. me. So I'll keep the constant. Mm. Call it a compromise but I'll keep it a constant. <laughs> deep, very, very deep and powerful. That was very, very powerful, Andrina. Keeping that constant, having that spiritual component. And when you said you were winning awards during your crisis, it hit me like a ton of bricks and it connected exactly to what you were talking about with vulnerability in the beginning of our conversation. Because especially if we have come from homes and cultures or practices where vulnerability is, is not the norm. It's not the open thing. We're going in, into business. We're struggling. We're at rock bottom. We're not sharing, but to the outside world, we're winning. 
Like what DJ Khaled said, all, all we do is win, 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 right. win. <laughs> We're winning. We're winning. And I really want to pause for a moment for those that are listening, because I know this is something that I even see in my practice as well, where behind the closed doors, it's, it's rock bottom feeling. It's, it's that lonely devastation feeling. But on the outside, the awards, the Fox, the MSNBC, Everything is happening on the top. And for someone who is in that space right now, who's listening to this show, what words of advice can you give to them? Embrace the season you're in. It's not permanent. And it's really, really hard. But embrace the season you're in, right? And hold your head up because it's not permanent, but be vulnerable so that you don't prolong it for longer than it needs to be. Monique, there are two examples. That's why I was smiling when you asked that question. One time I'd gotten an award, a county award, 40 under 40. And I could not go to the award because I didn't have gas money. I could not go to the ceremony. Say what? Because I didn't have gas money. And I did not want to ask anybody for gas money. Yes. Right? Like I was too embarrassed to say, I don't have gas. I can't afford $10 to put gas in my car. And I missed out. On that recognition, I missed out on the networking that could have come from that. I missed out on that experience. Not everybody can say they want a 40 under 40. You yes, know what I mean? Yes. I missed out on that. And then there was another experience where I had gotten an award from an organization that was recognizing nonprofits. And I wanted to look good, but I didn't have any clothes to wear, right? Like any really good clothes to wear. So I wore something out of my closet. But because of all the weight gain and weight loss and the stress of entrepreneurship, it didn't fit me well. And so I went to the award show with like safety pins tucked on the inside of my shirt. Listen, we're going to do what we got to do. <laughs> but, but I look back at pictures and I'm like, oh, yeah, you can see the balls right there. You can see how awkward it was. And the difference between those two experiences is like experience number two is like listen they can laugh at me if they want there will come a day when I'll be able to buy whatever it is that I want to buy mm-hmm. right but in this season I'm going to embrace the fact that out of all the people they could have recognized they recognize me and I'm going to show up yes so to the person who's really struggling like it's not permanent train your mind make optimism your friend like train your mind to always look to the bright side of things and with the biggest bright side is that the struggle that you're in right now is not permanent. And then I'd also say, just ask for help. You know, and we've, we've said this over and over again, Monique, but any one of my friends in that season, it wouldn't have even been alone. Now that I think back about it, it would have just been like a quick cash app or whatever it was at that time that was popular. Here's 20 bucks, like grab yourself a burger while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us, we attract who we are. So if you're kind and generous, your friends, nine times out of 10, are probably kind and generous. And so I robbed myself of these experiences because I refuse to be vulnerable. So to the person that's struggling, it's probably not as bad as you think. Doesn't mean you go broadcast your business to everybody, but think deep and hard and long about who is that one person, the two people in my life that I know, They won't judge me. They won't use it against me and be vulnerable with them. Don't lose out on experiences because of of pride. Wow. 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 You see why I said you were the resilience 
powerhouse, the resilience expert, how to live and learn and bounce back and thrive from crisis. Andrina, I, I'm full. Okay, I'm full. I'm going to have to listen to this like five times. But for those that are listening, she dropped so many nuggets for us. Um, if you are in that season, listen, you could be winning awards. You could be out there in these social media streets collecting your recognition. Remember, she said, don't prolong it. It's just a season. Don't prolong it. Ask for help and make sure that you make optimism your friend. Oh my God, I think out of this episode, I have so many nuggets about being resilient, about making sure that you ask for help, even if you've been conditioned, socially conditioned in an environment, you don't have to take that on. You don't have to take that mindset on for the rest of your life. You can change and you can begin. Get you some friends like Andrina, okay? Get you some friends who will tell you straight up, I love you, but that mindset is whack and you need to change it. Uh, Practice vulnerability, take that limit off. When it comes to us as African people, yes, there are struggles. We have uh, conditions and mindsets and patterns that we carry from our ancestors, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, but you can take the limits off and give yourself the grace of evolution. You don't have to stay the same. You can learn from getting repetitive lessons and hitting hard rock bottom, but why would you want to? Just learn from those of us that have gone there and made mistakes. Andrina, before I begin to close, is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience? I think now is a great time, it's an opportune time for you to start practicing all the things that you have said you want to be. So if you're thinking of just mindset changes, now is a great time for you not to carry some of these things that are holding you back. But then two, don't miss out on all the last two years have taught us. I think the pandemic shook me at my core because I did a lot of introspection. And so if you're in a space where you're really just thinking about your life, your business, spirituality, like don't waste the lessons of the last year. So be very, very intentional. And you might not discover how to do all of it overnight. Be gracious with yourself and take baby steps. And if they want to follow up with you, connect with you and tell you how awesome you are and thank you for giving these nuggets on the show, where can they find you? So I'm very social, especially on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And my handle is at Andrina underscore Sawyer. And then I have my main website, which is AndrinaSawyer.com. Okay. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you once again for listening to The Bridge to You. Make sure that you listen to this episode at least five times, share it with a friend, have a discussion, someone that you know that might need that encouragement and reach out to Andrina. She is here to be a support and a resource for you. We also have some resources for you if you're beginning your speaker's journey. Make sure that you get a copy of The Ultimate Speaker's Guide or get your free self-love assessment. Links will be in the show notes. And until next time, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit clairecommunicationsolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at clearcommunicationcoach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.